Section 12 of A Hypocritical Romance and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Hypocritical Romance and Other Stories by Caroline Ticknor. A Halloween Party. The writer smiled complacently as he penned the following lines. Mr. J. Turner Dodge regrets that a previous engagement will prevent him from accepting Mrs. Horton's very kind invitation for Halloween. Then he cheerfully directed an envelope, and after extracting a stamp from his letter case, he caught up his hat and went forth to mail his note at once. As the lid of the letter-box clicked after the descending regret, J. Turner Dodge gave an audible sigh of relief and briskly retraced his steps to his rooms in back hall his return was hailed by his special crony charles manhattan who had come in to consult him about some vital question regarding athletics what are you so pleased about his friend inquired as he entered you look as if you had just received an extra check from the old man. I've been doing up my society correspondence, laughed the other. By the way, are you going to do anything special next Monday night? Manhattan took out a small engagement book and scanned it. No, nothing for Monday night, he replied. Well, then, you have a pressing engagement to go to the theater with me. We'll go anywhere, you say. Now set it down and underline it three times and put supper afterwards in a big parenthesis. After Manhattan had gone, his friend sat for some time gazing thoughtfully at the frost-nipped plants in the box outside of his window. A casual observer would have said that he was critically inspecting the condition of the drooping geraniums but in reality at that moment he was totally unconscious of the existence of the vegetable creation j turner dodge was inwardly reviewing his first halloween party it was just a year ago that he had received an invitation from some suburban friends to spend that witching evening at their pleasant country house he knew the people only slightly and the invitation seemed rather a formal one but halloween sounded decidedly attractive it savoured of old-fashioned games and dances of which his knowledge was very limited and of thrilling ghost stories whispered to a spell-bound circle about a blazing wood fire therefore dodge accepted the invitation immediately undismayed by the fact that he must take a trip out of town and he found himself looking forward to the prospective party with no little pleasure they never have anything of the sort in new york he remarked to his friend thornton who roomed near him nothing but the same old tiresome things over and over again that young gentleman grunted unsympathetically it may be the same old thing with a different label 
my boy at the last halloween party i went to we played progressive euchre all the evening there is the booby prize he concluded pointing to a many-coloured drum suspended from his gas fixture and bearing the appropriate motto something that you can beat this was a bit disheartening to dodge but he consoled himself with the thought that he always had pretty good luck at progressive euchre after all he was in a particularly happy frame of mind on the eventful evening the football team had been doing fine work all the afternoon and he had been able to cut a large number of recitations successfully then his new dress suit had just come out from the tailor's and it fitted him perfectly it had arrived exactly in the nick of time he meditated as his old one was really too shabby to be seen in if dodge had been a girl he would have gazed at himself in the mirror long and with undisguised admiration being only a man however he merely glanced carelessly at his glossy coated reflection a couple of times with tolerable complacency the first damper upon his high spirits he sustained when he reached the railway station for as he strolled leisurely in to take the eight o'clock train he was greeted by the announcement that the train had gone eight o'clock train goes at seven minutes off now the man at the gate informed him with evident satisfaction just changed last wednesday next train goes at eight thirty dodge went back and bought copies of life judge and puck and frowned over the jokes after he had read them all he discovered that it was only quarter past eight and then he went out and walked up and down in front of the closed gate he wondered if it was a car party and pictured them playing three at one table or getting in some unwilling elderly member of the family who didn't know the game to torture the other players he could see the unhappy substitute dragged from the quiet enjoyment of an evening paper throwing down the left bower and then hurriedly exclaiming oh i beg your pardon i never can remember that is a trump dodge was aroused from his meditations by the sound of the last bell which bespoke the departure of the a thirty train and dashing through the gate he jumped aboard just as the train began to move out of the station he was the last guest to arrive and as he descended to greet his hostess he became aware of the fact that the young people were enjoying a game of blind man's buff he also noticed that he was apparently the only man present attired in a dress suit the perception of this fact did not tend to put him greatly at his ease but he nevertheless endeavoured to enter into the game with great enthusiasm the result of this being his immediate capture after which he was blindfolded and left to dash wildly about with his arms extended in the air he fell over chairs and crickets and struck his head against the sharp corners of bookcases and jutting cabinets laden 
with bric-a-brac while the fun ran high and everybody danced about and jeered at him and the other fellows jerked his coat tails by the time he had captured somebody it was announced that everybody was to adjourn to the kitchen for some magnificent fun there were chestnuts to be roasted apples to be pared, and endless other delightful things to be done in the centre of the kitchen stood a tub half filled with water how jolly we are going to bob for apples somebody cried out have you ever tried it mr dodge a sprightly young girl at his elbow asked seeing him look curiously at the wash-tub he replied that he had not oh mr dodge has never bobbed for apples she exclaimed we must make him begin thank you but i think i'll let somebody else show me first he protested determined not to indulge if he could possibly help it yes mr dodge had better not try it in his dress suit put in some thoughtful member of the company and after that there was nothing left for him to do but to insist upon bobbing for the kind of fruit which he specially disliked to prove that his dress suit was only an old one which he would rather spoil than not he was instructed that the floating apples were to be extracted from the water by the victim's teeth and intent upon not seeming disagreeable he ducked his head desperately into the tub and splashed and spluttered with the others fortune favors the brave and showers them with things they do not want and this without doubt accounted for dodge's well-deserved success for he finally succeeded in extracting a much bitten apple with which he emerged dripping and wrathful but determined not to show the white feather even if he were asked to dance in a coal bin then followed apple act number two this time an apple was suspended from a string and all jumped wildly in the air after it as if the loss of a couple of front teeth was a secondary consideration compared with the pleasure to be derived from securing a bite of that apple dodge and a fellow opposite him jumped for it at the same moment and the result was a violent collision which nearly broke both their noses next someone produced a candle which was to be blown out and the girls took turns standing upon a chair and holding it up at arm's length while the young man jumped vigorously up and down trying to extinguish it with frantic puffs dodge being not very tall exerted himself manfully until he was fairly covered with candle wax but he blew the candle out and nearly upset the chair young lady and all at the same time after this they experimented with a bow of flower and a ring and dodge was of course the unlucky one to take up the ring with his teeth from the midst of the suffocating white particles of which he inhaled a sufficient quantity to almost choke him to death 
one of the young ladies found a dishcloth to dust him off with and was so kind about helping him to dispose of the superfluous flour that he was led to commit the folly of running around to the cellar door on the sly when she started down the stairs with a looking-glass and candle several of the fellows called after him that there were three steps down into the cellar but he did not hear them and tumbled down all three the sudden crash frightened the young lady dreadfully and she dropped her looking-glass and candle and proceeded to fall down the remainder of the cellar stairs turning her ankle so that dodge had the satisfaction of carrying her up the whole flight this would have been quite romantic if he had not discovered that she was engaged to one of the other men who had intended going around to the cellar door himself until dodge cut in ahead of him moreover she was very angry because the looking-glass was broken and said that she should now have nothing but bad luck for seven years by this time the chestnuts which had been put on the top of the stove burned up instead of popping as they should have done and it was discovered that nobody had thought to cut the necessary slits in them this filled the kitchen with black smoke which set everybody coughing although they all declared these little mishaps were half the fun dodge wondered when the other half was going to begin as he tried to remove from his knees the traces of his encounter with the cellar steps with a sooty brush which he found hanging near the stove then it was suggested that one of the most satisfactory things to do was to fill one's mouth with water and run around the house this was a sure way of summoning one's fate in a spiritual form dodge was so glad to fill his lungs with a little fresh air after breathing in an atmosphere of chestnuts in a state of cremation for twenty minutes that he volunteered to make a circuit of the house among the first he started off briskly into the wet grass regardless of his patent leathers and was making remarkably good time when he was suddenly stopped by an intervening closest line which caught him under the chin and threw him heavily to the ground he went quietly back to the house thinking that if a rope around his neck was to be his fate it was not necessary to mention the lamentable fact and he had the satisfaction of seeing the next man measure his length in the same way number two however had not the sense to keep quiet about it but called out loudly and applied several uncomplimentary adjectives to the closest line thereby spoiling any subsequent fun in that direction being all thoroughly chilled by this time they went back and cracked nuts and pared apples and threw the peel over their shoulders and one girl that he had taken a special dislike to insisted that her peel formed a perfect d 
Did anybody's name that she knew begin with a D? She inquired. Nobody could think of anybody whose name began with that letter, and Dodge tried to back quietly into the china closet. But just then, somebody looked at him and giggled, and then all the others took in the situation and looked away from him, so as not to make him feel conscious, and began to talk about something else, while he blushed and tried to pretend that his interest in cracking nuts had prevented his hearing the previous conversation. Later, they went back into the dining room and had lemonade and more apples and nuts, and all said how much nicer this simple informal kind of thing was than any stereotyped supper. Dodge was almost starved, but he contented himself with paring another apple and then chopping it up into small pieces and distributing it over his plate. The crowning event was a Halloween cake, which contained a ring, a bodkin, a piece of money, and other appropriate tokens. Dodge got the thimble in his slice, and nearly swallowed it by mistake. He was so hungry. He tried to make believe that he thought this a capital joke, but he refrained from eating any more of the cake, feeling sure that he had already unwittingly swallowed the bottom, which all were anxiously searching for, and which nobody could seem to find. A silvery stroke from an adjacent clock warned him that it was time to depart, and he rose, thankfully, to say good night. I shall always remember my first Halloween party, he protested, as he tore himself away from the festivities amid regrets that he must hurry off so soon. The silvery-toned clock turned out to be five minutes slow, but by running all the way to the station, Dodge managed to swing himself onto the platform of the rear car of the departing train, at the risk of breaking his neck. When he reached the city, he warily entered the railroad café, and indulged in an oyster stew. It was a poor one, and the oysters, the wren, seemed to have clung persistently to their shells, and faithfully retained fragments thereof. But Dodge meditated philosophically that he might as well swallow oyster shells as buttons. As he was hurrying to recitation next morning, he met Thornton on the steps. How was the party? he called out. Anything like what you have in New York? No, thanks heaven, Dodge responded. We may be awfully degraded there, but we haven't fallen quite so low yet. These were the recollections that rose before the mind's eye of J. Turner Dodge, as he gazed at the withered geraniums in his window box. A couple of days later, Manhattan dropped in to see him, remarking, Oh, I say, when I got back to my room the other day, I found an invitation from Mrs. Horton for Halloween, and I accepted, so we will have to have our theater party some other night. I knew it wouldn't make any difference to you, and moreover, I thought you might be going to the party yourself.
no i decline it on account of a previous engagement with you oh come now dodge i know better than that well then i haven't been educated up to halloween parties there are some tastes that can't be acquired you know you must be born with them like the love of boston baked beans oh you're too new yorky for anything don't you know that these jolly informal things are twice as much fun yes but i'm satisfied with half as much fun you can have my other half i believe you think you won't get anything to eat i know better than that they'll have apples pared and drawn and quartered and suspended and submerged and named and numbered and gnawed and chestnuts and bodkins and buttons and lots of lovely things but in spite of all that i prefer to be excused from parlor and kitchen gymnastics they're too great a strain upon my nervous system all right i'll mention that fact to them if they inquire about you thank you i wish you would and if they pin you down more particularly dodge concluded you can say to them that the truth was i just got in my new football rig and i couldn't bear to spoil it the end end of section twelve end of a hypocritical romance and other stories by caroline ticknor